Life, learning, leadership, the Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I have one of my brothers, Adam Bubade, in the lounge with me today. Adam is a senior enlisted leader in the United States Air Force who has led multiple large organizations and currently serves as a chief enlisted manager at the 786 Civil Engineer Squadron at Ramstein Air Base in Germany. What's up, Adam? How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and uh, be a part of the Llama Lounge. I'm a longtime listener for as long as you've had this podcast, even though it's a short amount of time. But yeah, looking forward to a great conversation and uh, hopefully share some good leadership insights that's worthy of the podcast. Yeah, man. We were talking about before we hit record, uh, like how we've been trying to do this for a while now. And you were deployed, then then now I'm deployed, right? And we're just bouncing back and forth. It's been a minute. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, I think the first time you reached out to me was like March of 20. Uh, and you were like, <laughs> hey, man, what do you think about being on the podcast? And I was like, this would be awesome. Just let me know. I'll uh, set the time aside. And then, you know, you were in quarantine and trying to do all your pre-deployment stuff. And then I ended up coming off my deployment and you reached out to me again. You were like, hey, let's set this up. Now you were deployed and trying to get everything spun up. So funny coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I think between the two of us in 2020, we've probably racked up like four months of quarantine. Uh, it, It has to be about 120 days, it feels like, man, I'm telling you. That's absolute facts. Uh. I don't even want to do the math to figure it out because it's probably going to be depressing. Yeah, <laughs> for real. So, hey, so, uh, you know, you're, you're over in Germany now. How long have you been out there now? So I got here right at the very end of November. Um, and then, you know, I did my quarantine here and then we ran mm-hmm. into the holidays. So, I mean, you're talking barely 60 days. Yeah. So how's things out there? Um, things are different all over the world, man. How's things over there in the uh, Ramstein area? Well, first of all, it's cold. Uh, I'm kind of <laughs> missing the sun, uh, even though it was hot as hell in the desert. Um, <laughs> but in, uh, it's, it's really tight with some of the COVID restrictions that are going on. And I know everybody else is fighting it, but it's, it's pretty hard here. And, you know, you got guys that want to go home and visit family in the States, and that's rough. Uh, so mm-hmm. travel restrictions are just making it pretty hard. Um, on top of that, you know, some of the things that people look forward to in places like this, you know, you go to Germany, mm-hmm. everybody tells you, oh, yeah, you need to see this. You need to go out to here. And um, no one can do that. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys got curfew right now? Mm, we don't, but there are here at Ramstein. But there's a couple uh, spots in the country yeah. that do. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, a friend of mine, Debbie Gavin. Uh, you remember Deb, right? Yeah, she was at uh, Osan with us. Yeah, she was telling me that they have like a 10 o'clock curfew wherever she's at right now. I think she might be over in Stuttgart area, but I'm not sure. I was like, man, that, that's pretty wild. But I guess it really doesn't matter if nothing's open anyway. I mean, if you had a 10 o'clock curfew. Yeah, a lot of the stores and stuff, uh, the few that yeah. are open have like restricted mm-hmm. hours. Um mm-hmm. And because there's not too many places open and when they open up the lines long. Yeah. 
Yeah, I tell you what, man, I really enjoyed, I was at Spangdalem for about 18 months and I really enjoyed my time there. But one thing I'll tell you, even before COVID, the hours on stores were already somewhat limited, right? Like you're rushing to get back, <laughs> you're rushing to get to the store after duty hours and stuff. And then they'd close early anyway. And I can only imagine how much more of a struggle that is now. And the winners too, I, I just remember um, a lot of people were struggling. Now I'm from Washington state and you were stationed there. So you know how it is when it gets dark real early in the winter time and you got to kind of deal with it. But, you know, for a lot of people, um, it was a big struggle in that area. Like, cause it would, in the summertime, I remember it didn't get dark till like sometimes 10 30, 11 o'clock at night in some places. And, but then in the, um, in the wintertime, you'd go to work in the dark and you'd go home in the dark. Right. Oh yeah. So before coming out to Germany, I was at joint base Lewis McCord. I was stationed out there for mm-hmm. about three years. So my acclimation period was almost zero. I come over here and I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what to expect. Um, the cold, the darkness. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I'm looking forward to leaning into the summer and the spring to see what that, how beautiful it is out here in, in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely say make sure you get your supplementation and your vitamin D and all that stuff right now, because um, with that and being isolated into homes for sure. But man, Germany is a great country. And hopefully, um, you know, some of this stuff gets squared away with the vaccines and everything. And you'll be able to really enjoy traveling Europe. Because I'll tell you, I think when I was there, I must have traveled 20 something countries easy. Man, that was that's <laughs> one of the goals is just to get yeah. out and in. I don't want to call it checking boxes, but but see yeah. see this part of the world and you know not just stay locked into Ramstein Air Base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So hey, we're gonna get into some great conversations um, about, in particular, an article that you wrote and a little bit more about professional orgs as we go on. But before we get started, um, loved it for you to tell your story because you know we found that we just learn a lot from the stories of others. So yeah, why don't we start off with how did Adam Bubade become the man he is today? And where do I start on that one? Um, So hometown is uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, going through high school, I wasn't sure really what I wanted to do. And I was indecisive. I I burned up a lot of time, didn't really prep for like actually going to college. And Mm -hmm. uh, when I started looking at options, I I knew I wanted to do something different. Um, And I knew I didn't want to pay for college. So the Air Force kind of was a good option. I went down there, got into the delayed enlistment program, sat in that for about six months, and then joined right after I graduated high school. Um, so I, I joined in, in 2003 and then, uh, you know, went and did the whole tech school thing. And then sure enough, they, you know, they bring you in, they tell you, hey, uh, where did you want to go? I was like, well, you know, all the things on my dream sheet, you know, somewhere that's green near the water. And they were like, well, how about Holloman Air Force Base? Uh, and for <laughs> those of you who don't know, it is the driest, most yeah. desolate not area. <laughs> uh, not by the water. Not too many. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Lots of sand, though. Um, anyway, so that kind of that's where I started off my journey, you know, uh, the unexpected and uh, a little far away from family. Um, but my original intention was do my six years and just get out, um, finish my degree and go back home, uh, take off the uniform, not, not really look back. Uh, but I started really enjoying the camaraderie. Um, 
Mm. and having that sense of purpose of doing something bigger than myself. And I had some really good mentors along the way that were pointing me the right direction. Like, Hey, try this, be challenged doing this. And I, I loved the challenge. Um, so I, I pushed myself to just be better than I was. And, and through some of that growth, I, I kind of decided, you know, okay, uh, maybe I make this a career. Um, and I, I, I ended up working it out backwards. So, mm. uh, you know, essentially I was a six year enlistee, right? And I figured, okay, if I, if I keep going, I'm either gonna re-enlist for four or six. And whether I do four or six, it takes me past 10. So then I'm 50% of the way towards 20. Well, I might as well go all the way if I'm going to go halfway. So once I decided, well, if I, okay, well, I guess I'm doing 20 years. Well, where do I want to be in 20 years? And I thought an ambitious goal that was challenging but attainable was make chief under 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that I used as like the long term to keep driving myself. And then uh, to keep myself going, I had to give myself a reason to keep doing it because it wasn't the prestige of wearing the stripe. It wasn't mm-hmm. uh, just to do it. It wasn't the pay. Um, it was, I saw the opportunity to make a change and be better at influencing change for the good of the airmen I worked with. Uh, mm-hmm. And I knew that the the only way to grow that influence was to be in the position to do so. So I pushed myself with those values, like how do I, how do I increase my ability to make positive change? I need to be in the right position to do so. Those are the things that kind of pushed me along the way to, to not give up when things got tough because it was, it was part of the journey. And you know, knowing that the long-term goal was there you know, I ended up meeting that goal, but it was through uh, good mentorship and, and, and those struggles that helped push me and just keeping a hold of that why of why I want to do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you achieved that, right, because um, that was a little while ago now, what, what did you ever have that moment of what now? You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause a lot of us, we talk about that in the Lama Lounge, there's three of us that made chief mass sergeant ones uh, retired. And we all kind of talked about it too. It's like, and just expressing our own vulnerability that there was a moment where you get to that point, because if you're looking at it as a goal, when you're at like, you know, six years or 10 years or whenever you, you kind of mentioned it, you get there and you're like, okay, now what, you know? And a lot of times you even have the why, but sometimes you're like, now what, you know, what's going on now? No, uh, man, that's so true because there is that moment and I can't remember exactly when it hit. Um, it wasn't right when I was notified that I made chief. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm not even sure if it was like when I sewed it on or right before I did. Uh, but there was definitely that moment that it just slaps you in the face. Like, well, what, what the hell's my goal now? Like, what am I, <laughs> what am I pushing towards? And, you know, I, I know, at least, you know, in the Air Force, and I'm sure the other services, there, there's what I call like levels of chiefdom. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's certainly more responsibilities that come with being a command chief or what have you, or mm-hmm. moving up to, you know, being in your functional community as a career field manager, leading that entire community. Um, right. But no matter which one of those positions you're in, you're, you're still a chief master sergeant. Right. Um, so... 
you know, for me, some of, some of that, what I want to keep doing is keep growing and challenging myself to just be a better leader every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I take on more responsibility and, and try to get people and build that next generation of leaders, um, the better I can be at building them up to take this spot. Uh, that's what success looks like for me. Yeah. No, and that's a great perspective. And I just, you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, that I don't think any of us are necessarily ready for, especially the ones, you know, those of us have really figured out, or at least thought we figured out what our why is. Right. And it's not necessarily that it transitions. It's just that there's a moment there when you've been striving for something, for the right reason, wrong reasons, whatever reason in between, you know what I mean? But when you get there and you're like, okay, now what? And it's not that, like you mm -hmm. said, that there's not more positions you can go to or anything else, or just continuously strive for that, that internal, the internal purpose, but it still gets that moment where you're like, okay. And, and it's, it's a very interesting feeling that I think it's really hard to describe unless you actually go through it. Right. Like you, you, it's really hard to describe for people that haven't gone through it. And it's, and it's funny because I love talking about it just to get your perspectives. I don't think this is something that you and I have ever really talked about yet. No, it's not. Um, and it is interesting, you know, some of those internal battles that we fight through. Um, mm -hmm. Cause sometimes it's really easy to just like keep it in. Cause you're not sure if everybody else is going through the same thing. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, those moments of vulnerability, you put it out there and then all of a sudden you get all these head nods and you're like, Oh, right. oh okay. Yeah. We're not alone. <laughs> right. Right. Or, or you get the random person that's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And you're like, okay. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, just, and this is um, one of the reasons why we love having the podcast because we like being able to talk about some of those things, right? And love to get into it a little bit more. And I think we can um, talk about some of those things as we move on with the conversation because we really want to get into some of the pieces you've written uh, specifically one because you've written multiple articles for the llama lounge and for our listeners if you have not checked them out adam is an amazing writer with a ton of wisdom and perspective you need to go visit llamaleadership.com and uh, get some of that knowledge but one in particular i really wanted to chat about was the most recent recent one that you wrote called perspective guides growth so i was hoping man can you give us a little synopsis of that article and tell us what kind of inspired you to write it Man, uh, it was it, it actually came from a post that a mm. friend of mine made. Um, he recently retired and on his he made a retirement post. Uh, if he's listening to this or if he ever does, he could probably do the math to figure out who it is. But uh, I won't name him. And he he put it out there that uh, when someone tells you grow where you're planted. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not always healthy for you to be in that position. And I thought mm -hmm. I was like, well, it depends on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. um, and just me thinking through what he proposed. Um, I was like, well, in some ways, he's not wrong, but it could be better. And the more mm -hmm. I thought about it, I just started throwing notes down. And and the more I did that, it started growing um, into, you know, the article that I made, which is, it's funny because all the articles I've written are just mm -hmm. random, like 
epiphanies <laughs> that came because someone said something and I was like, those words sparked something and I, I have to just get it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, and, and, and I really loved the article on, and, you know, I'll be full transparency, very similar to me whenever um, something happens at work or while I'm on a run, you know, a thought comes through and then next thing you know, you know, an entire article just comes out and um, yeah, you've written some great ones. And this one um, I thought was really cool because it really centers um, about, you know, facing obstacles and how attitude, gratitude, and willpower can, can really help you get through it. So I was hoping maybe I could explore that a little bit with you. So what were your perspectives on that? Uh, so the biggest thing is, is um, getting after the myth of grow where you're planted and mm-hmm. uh, talk about some of the realities that come with that, because it is such a common phrase. And, you know, uh, both right. of us being in the military, as long as we have, I'm sure we could just rack up the amount of times we've probably heard it from people mm-hmm. that either are trying to mentor us or you might even said it yourself to one of your guys right. that you're mentoring is like, hey, man, grow where you're planted. But what does that really mean? You know, beyond mm-hmm. just saying the phrase. So when I started digging through it and doing some some deep thought myself on what I learned from it, what did I take from those situations uh, mm-hmm. and how did because I'm a big advocate of grow where you're planted. Um, I, I believe, I, I truly believe that, yes, while not every single position you can ever be in is as promotable as the next, um, mm-hmm. it's obviously easier to grow in a nice fertile meadow than to grow <laughs> out of the concrete, like some of these, mm-hmm. you know, rough daisies that just weeds pull through, but they do it, yeah. right? Right. Um, and when I started thinking about like what really makes it to where you can be successful in those situations, no matter the difficulty, uh, it came down to those things, attitude, gratitude, and willpower, which in fact are all things that you control, right? So regardless of your external circumstances, no matter Mm -hmm. where you're quote unquote planted, if you don't approach it with, that positive attitude and, and take it for what it is, you will create your own failure. So, cause so many people I noticed that have, that struggle with these, this concept, they look at it as a very negative thing. Like, Oh, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. This position's not helping me. I need to be somewhere else. And they look for taking that next step because they believe that being in a different position is going to be what gets them promoted. When in fact, Mm -hmm. if you just take what's given to you and be the best there ever was at it, you will be successful. And the only way to really do that well is to have a positive attitude about what it is, have the gratitude to appreciate the challenge that you're facing and how it's helping you grow and have that willpower to push through the struggle. Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point on what's the intent behind someone giving you that advice. Cause you and I, you know, we've heard it many times, like you mentioned, and we've probably given it too. And you think about the intent behind it, you know, when, um, when somebody gives that advice and I kind of feel like there's probably more than just these two perspectives, but two come to mind 
most often to me is one, it's like we live in a, in a, in a world of constraints. There's only so many opportunities, right? So we're going to put you here and just do what you can with it. I can't do nothing about it. So just go ahead and grow where you're planted, right? I mean, it's like, eh, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, and then right. it is what it is type of thing. And then there's the other one that's like, hey, I'm putting you in this situation. You may not necessarily like it because it's not the shiniest, sexiest looking opportunity, but I'm also seeing about your adaptability and your ability to grow. And like you said, display the attitude, you know, find that gratitude, and then also showcase the willpower that you have and test yourself as well. Because those people who can do those things, to me, you know, if you're an adaptable follower, that shows potential for taking on more responsibilities because you're not, you're not just good at making widgets. You're able to do other things as well, you know, and you have a good attitude about it. So, so I think, you know, it it really is intent, but your focus on like, how are you going to take it though? Because you're going to be put in those situations, you know, you're going to be, it's just the way it is, right? Life is life. You know, people talk about life isn't fair. No, life is just life. Right. And we're, (laughs) we're going to deal with those situations. So, and you're not going to have a lot of control over that. So what are you going to do with the opportunity that's in front of you, regardless if you think it's hot, sexy, nice or not. Right. And I know you've talked about it a lot, you know, with your experience going to the AFRC uh, Mm -hmm. and, and being the NCOIC over there. Um, and how when they presented it to you, you were like, oh, hell no. They're like, you're setting me up for failure. I don't belong here. Um, right. And, you know, those type of things I, I remembered, you know, and even writing this article, I, I did some deep thought on, hey, when I was in that spot, where was my mind at? How many mm-hmm. times did I say, man, they're trying to screw me over, putting me mm-hmm. in this stupid spot. This is not going right. to help me at all. It's just doing somebody else's dirty work. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk about it in the article a little bit where it talks about having the right attitude and not talking negatively even to yourself. Um, Right. But admittedly, there's going to be a moment where you're going to tell yourself this sucks. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? But you have to sit there and find the goodness. You have to seek Mm -hmm why this challenge that's in front of you and why accepting it as a challenge is going to make you better. What is there for you to gain by growing through this challenge? And then using that as your anchor to kind of pull you forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, another cliche is, you know, things happen for a reason, but um, time and time again, it, 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 that proves itself correct in my life at least, but it is a lot about how you perceive your, the attitude that you have right towards it and everything else. But I remember a story for me is, um, you know, when I made chief, I, I applied for positions and I was coming out of Korea um, serving with you. Right. And I had pretty much top priority on assignments. And um, for those that don't know, chiefs typically we, well, we do apply for positions and not bases. Right. So a position. So um, I, I volunteered for a particular base that had two chief positions in it, but I only applied for the squadron superintendent gig and not the operations flight. Right. So I, did, I instead of being at the flight, I requested to be at the squadron while I was a brand new chief, didn't even have the stripe on yet. Right. 
And, um, and then when I get picked up for this assignment, I get put into the flight, just like I just came from right a position I just came from. And, uh, and I felt some type of way about it. You know what I mean? Because I was thinking I was like, I could have picked all these other installations, right? I could have picked another <laughs> position to be at that squadron superintendent position, right? And, um, and before I even found out what was going to happen, I even cut my leave short and everything else to get there quicker, because I thought I was going to be in that leadership role that they, that the leadership team leaving said that they needed me to get there earlier. So I could, you know, um, so I could be the continuity bridge between. And so everything I did, you know, I felt like I did what I was supposed to do. Then I get there and I find out that I'm not even going to be in that role. So like I said, I felt some type of way about it, you know, and heard about a lot of the other reasons why that happened. And um, it frustrated me. But when I got there, I realized that the flight needed me, right, for sure. And, um, and a lot of other opportunities kind of came up because of that. And one of the big opportunities was growth for me and how I wanted to deal with it and what kind of character I was going to show. Was I going to be a whiny uh, baby in the corner with a wet diaper or was I going to you know, live to what I tell other people they need to live to? So I did that. Right. And I did the best I could in that position, realized I was there for a reason and um, and just uh, just so many opportunities came about because of it. Right. And I tell people all the time that a lot of times the greatest growth opportunities as well as just opportunities period come from those non-sexy, those cruddy, dirty looking opportunities that you were going to bypass any way you can. Right. So growing, you know, where you're planted in that circumstance, you can choose to grow where you're planted effectively. You got to do it right. Just like you say in your article. Yeah. And, uh, it all starts with your attitude and, and your perspective mm -hmm. on how you're viewing what you're given. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, control what you can control. Because if you attempt to control the things that you can't, um, mm -hmm. you'll just mm -hmm. spin in your wheels. You know, if you just walk in and be negative and like, I just needed to be in a different position. Well, that's not for you. You can't. There's nowhere to right. move you. You just have right. to do it. But if you just continue to keep coming in and being mad about it, then nothing changes for you. You're just still mad. Um, but if you just go ahead and go, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to take everything there is to gain from this position and just try to change myself by changing my mind. Um, and then you never know. Maybe that turns into the best experience you ever had. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes it does. Right. And but you got to have the right attitude about it. And, you know, I think about it, too, is you go into those roles and the positions and they put you in that one and maybe you're passed over for something, whatever it might be. Right. And, and then you act like you got the wet diaper in the corner. You just prove all those people. Right. With, with how you behave. Right. And the, and the character that you're showing. And I remember when you and I got to Korea about the same time on that tour and there yep. was a whole bunch of three EO nine O's, right? Three EOs period. Like there was master sergeants left and right. And, you know, I thought that you were probably going to be in our flight, but you got pushed over to the readiness flight and got to do the gig over there. And you could have felt some type of way, you know what I mean? You could have easily went, fell into that. And instead you, you executed the best way you could. And it's not to say that all of us aren't going to have our moment, right? We got to, <laughs> we're allowed to have our moment, yeah. right? We just, we just got to have that moment. You think about this isn't what I thought was going to happen. Uh, but, but how you behave moving forward after that speaks to your character. And, you know, um, 
you're right. Uh, I was really looking forward to being in the ops flight and being mm-hmm. um, potentially like the NCIC of the electric shop and having that big mm-hmm. shop to take care of and, and getting the business done. Um, and when they told me, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to be prime beef manager. I was like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> but but it, it was it was a great experience. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that there were many moments where, you know, being upset about it and and being out of my comfort zone uh, was frustrating for me. And I mm-hmm. I didn't always have the best approach when I was there, because I tell you. Uh, for those of you listening who have never done it, if you're in the Air Force, specifically CE, and you move from ops into uh, the readiness flight, it is a culture shock. Um, <laughs> but as soon as I started embracing that and really trying to learn from it and not fight it, that's when things started clicking. And even after I left Osan, when I looked back at my experience there, and how it actually propelled me in future assignments, stuff I learned there, I use today. Um, And it is an amazing amount of knowledge that I gained from that position that so many ops, uh, senior NCOs never get, never get, and they can't take their ops hat off because they've never Mm -hmm. been outside of it. Um, So as far as development, if you take in, like I said, you change your perspective on what's there's the gain versus let me just ride it out until this is over. Um, you're going to be upset the whole way and after. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love it in this article and um, it'll be in one of our upcoming digital magazines, but you have quite a few stoic quotes in there from Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, but um, one that it really brought to my mind one of my favorite uh, Marcus Aurelius quotes is if it is endurable then endure it and stop complaining you know and sometimes we just got to get there right like if you can endure it just stop complaining and um, that's something that I think about a lot and that's what I was thinking about when I was reading your article because there's been times where I thought about that and I'm like in that moment and at minimum if there's nothing else to learn, you can at least learn a little bit more about yourself and the character that you have. Because I talk about this a lot and I've said it in previous episodes, you know, it's pretty easy to be excellent at what you want to do and what you like to do and what you're good at. Mm -hmm. That's called normal, right? I mean, that's just normal, but to put that hundred (laughs) percent, you know, effort into the stuff you don't want to do, the stuff that you got thrown into, the stuff that you're not necessarily good at, right? Outside your comfort zone, that's called character. Right. And, and that's what yep. we need more of. Yeah. And I, I really love that quote. Um, and there are moments, you know, you need to vent, you need to get it out. Even mm-hmm. if you're just talking out loud to yourself in, a, in, in your room and you're like, mm-hmm. what the hell, why is this happening? <laughs> right. um, but you, you have to find a way out of it. You know, sometimes it's good to just kind of yell uh, and be mm-hmm. angry. Um, but get past it. Don't hold on to it because then the next thing you have to ask yourself is, but why am I angry? And what can I actually do about it? And if you can do nothing about it, then stop being angry and stop worrying about it because worrying has zero value for you at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to do nothing for you, but cause more negativity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, man. Love it. And I, and like, that's the big thing that I want to 
make sure that we foot stomp too, because there's people that are listening to this who may be in this situation that we kind of talked about, right? And neither one of us are saying that it's not okay to vent or deal with it. You know, you're in your own head kind of thinking about it. And maybe you were treated unfairly. We're not saying that's not happening too. You know I mean? It might be the case as well, right? There's all kinds of stuff that might happen, but how you're going to respond to that, you know, that's key. How you're going to respond to that is not only going to like improve or degrade, you know, your quality of life moving forward, but also allow you to learn from it or learn, gain something from it or not. And also display your character, show people how, what you really are. Right. And, you know, you don't want to prove them right. If you're being treated wrong, right. You don't want to prove them right. There's, there's ways around that too. So a lot of opportunities there to grow. Yeah. And, you know, I'd add in that um, in those situations, because, you know, I've personally had some of those where I felt that I was done wrong. Um, And, and sometimes that's the motivation, the motivation to prove you wrong. You put me in a position uh, and I don't believe I don't I don't believe that your intent is genuine and right. you're just casting me aside. This is not for my development. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this the best it ever was and show you that you were wrong and you can be mad about it. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. be happy being the best there ever was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this, that brings up a a different thing that, you know, a different topic that I kind of want to ask you about, because what you described there kind of can be um, perceived as having a chip on your shoulder, right? Like some of us have that and some of us throughout our lives and careers and maybe in sporting events or whatever that might be. um, We've been driven because of the chip on our shoulder, right? And it's driven us to success. Um, But I have a, um, a thought on that, that it's, that's not, that's not going to be effective in the infinite game. You know what I mean? Living with that chip on your shoulder. It's really effective for the finite game. Like there's a certain, there's a certain thing you're trying to accomplish, but some people live with it on their shoulder forever. Right. And they continuously seek that and they make it themselves. Like it's not there anymore. And they're making it themselves. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Have you seen that before? Yes, I've seen it. And um, yeah, you're right. It, it, if you start playing finite games, um, you're, you're going to lead yourself down the wrong path and you're going to be stuck on it. Um, going little milestone to milestone, not actually going anywhere. Um, like a rat in a maze, um, just looking for that next little prize. But I would say in those situations, um, finding that, that willpower, that courage to rise up above the situation is more about that, like you said, the test of your character and having that attitude of I can be better than the situation you gave me and I'm Mm -hmm. still going to win and not win as in the game ends, win as Mm -hmm. in I'm going to overcome the obstacle you put in front of me and grow from it. So the infinite part is as you build that muscle of this perspective and being able to challenge yourself that way um, you get better at overcoming the obstacles. So no matter how many or how large they are, you know, you can find a way. And that's the infinite part. 
the infinite part is having these three things locked down, attitude, gratitude, willpower, and you can just get through uh, whatever's placed in front of you um, onto the next thing, which whatever you've defined as success is, is what you're pushing towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and and the reason why I bring that up, because those are all great points. So I think that I've seen folks, um, they were done wrong enough times and then they, they develop the chip on their shoulder and then they realize they need it to stay motivated. Right. So then they start creating imaginary chips on their shoulders. Right. And then they start creating enemies that aren't there to motivate them to continuously move forward. And to me, that's not going to be something sustainable and you're going to be killing relationships as you, as you move forward. But another thing I've seen is some lazy leadership when it comes to uh, maybe a work center within an organization has some issues and um, the leader says, everybody doesn't, nobody believes in us. It's us against everybody else. Right. And and that works in a sporting event, right? (laughs) Like, like nobody believes us, you know what I mean? Like we have a chip on our shoulder and that might work, but within an organization that doesn't have a finite goal in mind, you know, we're going to continuously operate. um, That doesn't work. And it starts alienating that work center amongst everybody else and i think i call that lazy leadership because you'll get immediate results because your people will be motivated but it's not something sustainable oh yeah it creates a very much an us versus them and within Mm -hmm. the the concept of teams of teams of teams um Mm -hmm. it you know if you if you've got a, a team that's broken up into different pieces, uh, whether that's an organization or, you know, that's almost like on a football team, even on the, if the, the defense, you know, the, on a football team, if the secondary and the front line can't mm-hmm. see it on eye to eye and they're trying to prove each other wrong. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's not working together. Uh, it's mm-hmm. this us versus them mentality and nobody wins. Now you might have this very, very strong, um, leader in a small team who can rally up everybody and convince them all that, Hey, no one believes in us. It's us versus them. We need to stick together. And then that team will fight till the end for that leader, but they won't Mm -hmm. do a damn thing for anybody beyond that team. So it becomes Mm -hmm. toxic for the larger organization or the rest of the teams that they're supposed to cooperate with. Um, and it, it gets dangerous. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very narrow minded. Right. And I think um, this is kind of a good segue into our next topic, because I think a lot of times leaders get into that mode because they're just not very experienced. Right. And they see that easy button of how to get people to perform. And if you make everybody else an enemy, you're going to get people to perform. Right. But in a, a way that I think, and the reason why I value when people, um, when airmen, um, any service members, they get involved in professional organizations. A lot of people say, why do we got to do that? There's a lot of opportunities there to learn how to build relationships, how important they are to the bigger organization, as well as develop your leadership skills. So what are your thoughts on that? Because you're huge into professional organizations. You're big into SAMI. Um, and, and, you know, so what are your thoughts on professional organizations and what have they kind of taught you? Uh, so I'd say early on, um, especially in an Air Force career, you know, take your time and test them out. Figure mm-hmm. out which ones you like. Uh, you know, one of the things I tell my guys, because 
something that people get wrapped up in, especially come EPR time, you know, this is, <laughs> man, I got to have like five, six top three president on there. Um, and yeah. that's the only way I'm going to get promoted. Uh, that's not true. Um, you know, I tell them that get involved with an organization you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You don't need the title. Take on something that you like to do and do it well. Do it in a leadership capacity with results. And that is being part of that organization. And that's just that's just a singular individual having a role, right? Um, and yeah, I've done all the way up, right? Airmen's Council, 5-6, top three, AFSA, uh, AFA, and then uh, you mentioned SAMI, which is uh, Society of American Military Engineers. Um, and yeah, probably a few others, but I try to encourage them to, to, to go to one that they feel like they get something back from. Um, right. and a lot of people feel like these are just, uh, party planning organizations. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you've, you've heard that of like, why should I be involved in this? I'm not actually learning anything from it. And mm-hmm. one of the things I, I tell the, especially senior NCOs, Go get involved with the top three and help help yourself get familiar with not only networking and knowing the other people across base, but knowing what their functions are. Right. Right. Uh, so because, you know, especially in, in positions as chief master sergeants leading squadrons or bigger, um, the quickest way to solve problems is is calling up a friend that, you know, and you trust. And say like, hey, I know this is in your wheelhouse. Help me, please. Instead of just being lost. Um, When you build that connective tissue, uh, it helps. Not only that, but the things that you gain from it. You know, we talk about being able to lead your peers. Okay, show me you can lead your peers. And one thing I really like about uh, organizations that are not necessarily the Air Force, right? So like Sammy is um, leading a nonprofit like that is especially challenging. If you want a leadership challenge, step outside and do something like that with a nonprofit. It doesn't matter what it is for all of those of you listening. Um, You know, for something that's centric to the military, some people might be there only because they're trying to check a box. Mm -hmm. In a nonprofit, no one's there to check a box. You have zero authority. No one has to listen to you. They're there by their own free will. And leading those type of things, it's a different type of leadership challenge. But right. I tell you what, if, right. if you can get good at it and good at those soft skills to manage those type of conflicts and those type of events, it'll make you better when it comes time to mission things. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and that's one of the big things I look for specifically when it comes to um, leadership potential is how effective people are at being able to lead people that have no obligation to listen to them whatsoever, right? And if they can take that team to mission success, whether that is a, pro- a party planning event, right? Whether that's the Air Force ball, an induction ceremony, or whatever that else it might be. Or, or like you said, it doesn't have to be military centric to be able to develop those skills. You know, you could be at your local church, right? And, and, and leading events there or whatever it might be, leading an organization there. But whatever it might be, 
it creates those soft skills, right? That, that make you a better leader. So when I tell people that they should get involved in those, it's not to check a box, but you know, if that's the reason why they initially go, I don't hold that against them either. Maybe they're, that's what gets them there. And then they learn that that's their passion or whatever it might be. But really the, the goal is for you to develop, learn how to build relationships, get perspectives from other people, and also develop your peer leadership skills. Because once you start moving up into certain grades, like the one that we're in right now, the people that we have to work alongside do not have to listen to us, right? Nope. But we still got mission to accomplish. We still got, you know, uh, uh, teams to to influence, right? And, and and it could be very difficult if you don't have those skills. And people that think that they have them, um, sometimes they're wrong, Some, but other times they can still develop them even further, right? Like you and I, we can continuously grow in those. So that's why I think it's very important um, is, is because of that. So whether that's a nonprofit org outside or it is, they're, they're all going to come with different challenges, right? Running a top three with a bunch of alphas that all think that they know everything already, and you're trying to lead them towards an organization, that could be challenging, right? But then also, like you said, running an organization where everybody is there because they want to be, but they're looking at you and they're like, hey, I don't have to be here. If you're not an effective leader, I'm not going to follow you type situation. You know, those, those are all different challenges, and we should throw ourselves in as many different challenges like that as possible to continuously grow. Right. And you, you look at other things, right? Cause I think you talked about it in one of your podcasts. I don't remember which mm-hmm. one it might've been, you were talking about, uh, you know, when you put people in like the CSS, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people look down on some stuff like that, but then it turns into what are those transferable skills that you can learn? Um, right. You know, for instance, you know, you talk about party playing like air force ball or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, those really large events um, for the person who's their first time going into it it's like drinking from a fire hose. There's all these things right. you have to do. You know, you got to deal right. with protocol. You got to deal with uh, seating charts. You got to deal with all these things. Um, and it might be overwhelming because you don't know what you don't know. But after you do it, you know, mm-hmm. now you can coach the next guy because no matter who does it, somebody's doing it. And mm-hmm. along the way, someone has to coach that person to make sure, you know, this is what right looks like. Um but the only way to become that person is to have done it. Yeah. So in those situations, um, you know, when you do learn like, Hey, who's the best person to talk to about this? Well, maybe it's the guy who works at LRS, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, we, we have to uh, court on a road. Okay. We should probably call security forces. And you know, once you start clicking all those things together and they become second nature. Okay. Well now turn that into mission right Mm -hmm. okay now a mission related things going on it's not some party it's not the air force ball hey we need this who do i call i know exactly who to call because it's the same thing that we had Mm -hmm. to do for this big um let's call it like the air show right um you you already know who to call because you've networked Mm -hmm. and you know what their capabilities are because you did it and those things translate really easy but you have to have gone through it first Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know i've even talked to a couple of my senior ncos when i told them that i wanted them to 
be involved in something or come to this meeting or whatever it might be. And um, it's funny because some of them will straight up say, well, I'm not really comfortable in those environments. And then I, my response is, well, that's the point, bro. <laughs> right? right. I mean, yeah, to good. get into those situations <laughs> and learn, right? Good. <laughs> you know, that, that's the point because that's when you're going to grow the most, you know, and if you don't want to do those things, the biggest issue that I have is when there's no congruence in what you're saying and what you want, right? You're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that because I don't feel comfortable doing that, but I do want to get promoted and I do want this and I do want to get these positions. Like, well, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be effective in those. You're good at what you do right now, but that's all I see you do, right? That's all I see you oh, do. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. That reminds me of one conversation I had. I was in A1C at the time and my supervisor, staff sergeant, uh, you know, going TDY was big. Going TDY is mm -hmm. fun and everybody mm -hmm. wants to do it and everybody wants the cool TDYs. No one wants the mm -hmm. like, you mm -hmm. know, TDYs to... Uh, some hellhole somewhere that that kind of sucks um, right so you know you start picking and choosing which ones you volunteer for and you know his response to me was you can't say you want to go but turn them down mm -hmm. right and and that that stuck with me I mean forever right because uh, mm -hmm. it applies to so many things don't tell me you want to be ready but then you don't go Right. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, some of those not so shiny pennies, like you mentioned before, end up being the best trip anyway, because Absolutely. they're hard, because it's a struggle and you struggle mm -hmm. with your brothers and sisters next to you. And they're the stories you tell 20 years later. Yeah. No, I'll tell you, like the last time I was non-involved to a position was Korea. I didn't think I wanted to go there. I went there. I met all of you guys. We struggled. <laughs> we struggled. It was crazy. I was there for two and a half years and the world was falling around around us all the time. But we had a great family there. And um, I walked out of there with a ton of experience, much thicker skin, um, an understanding of a lot of different things, some great mentors, some great family members, you know, some new family members along the way and, and a line number for chief. And it was not something I wanted to do. You know what I mean? It was not something I wanted to do, but we went there and we took care of business. And so many things are like that. That was a not so shiny penny and um, great results came from that. And a lot of it, like you said, back to your article, attitude, gratitude, and willpower. So it got me through there you it. Go. <laughs> man, Adam, this was a fun time, man. We need to have you on again. We got a, a lot more to talk about in the future episodes. I'm positive. Hell yeah, man. I'm ready anytime. You tell me, I'll show up. Yeah. So, hey, before we let you go, though, we got to do this leadership rapid fire. I know that you're uh, an avid listener, so you knew that was coming. But uh, we, we got to <laughs> ask you these questions, bro. You ready? Let's go. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite leadership trait and why? Uh, my favorite leadership trait is trust. Um, I go with trust because, you know, you all might have heard it. It's the cornerstone of leadership. I find that it's the foundation to all the other important pieces that you need. Uh, character is important. Credibility is important. Uh, and absolutely paramount to even calling yourself a leader is to have people that are willing to follow you. And they're not going to do it if they don't trust you. So, uh, yeah. The, my favorite leadership trait is trust because it, it, it blossoms into so many other things. Yeah. 
And you know what's interesting about trust? And I think um, General Gronsky said the best. He's like, it's not one of those things that you can expect from people but not give them. You know what I mean? Like you got to, for a relationship, trust needs to go both ways. You can't expect people to trust you if you don't trust them and you display that. So great one. All right. Second question. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote, being challenged in life is inevitable. Being defeated is optional. Hmm. Love it. So uh-huh. that's by uh-huh. uh, Roger Crawford. He's actually a uh, tennis champion who was the first and only tennis champion who has a dis- disability. Um, mm. He's got a few books out and he does motivational speeches. But, you know, when I, I didn't read a book that I found this in, I stumbled across it somewhere on, you know, mm-hmm. the interwebs. Uh, yeah. But it has so many layers to it, depending on how you look at it. You know, um, being defeated is optional. I look at that as, is like, yes, I can fail, but I'm not going to let the failure beat me. I'm going to learn from the failure and I'm going to rise up again and keep rising up and keep rising up and keep facing those challenges uh, to just be better and be my best self. Um, Mm. So refusing to kind of succumb to those obstacles that life challenges you with is why I like it. It, it, it's, it, it helps me kind of find drive. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, that whole defeated thing is Chris Dwyer, a buddy of mine, um, he wrote an article and that's coming out pretty soon as well, but he talked about undefeated, but not undefeated, like you've never been defeated, but unhyphen defeated, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. you know, all of us have been defeated at some point, but how do we rebound from it? So great stuff. Can't wait to that. We get that one out there too. All right. What is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? Man, um, so many, but uh, I'd say probably starting with seven habits of highly effective people. Um, Mm. If you're an aspiring leader, uh, I'd say that you got to start with figuring out how to lead yourself. Um, And that's developing those good habits to lead yourself. Um, And, you know, if, if I had to branch off from there, the ones that really helped me uh, was start with why and obstacle is the way um, because between having good habits and, and finding purpose helps you. And then, you know, the obstacle is the way was, was one of those titles that helped me kind of uh, find the mental fortitude you need when you, you run into those things. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I say it on here a lot. Obstacle is the way is, my favorite book and it's my most gifted book that I give to others. Um, probably that and um, the daily stoic are the two, but it's funny because one book that I, that when people ask me, I was like, what is the one book you would recommend, you know, if you had to do it leadership and that seven habits is always, so man, we got a lot in common, brother. <laughs> yeah, man. The obstacle is away. The impediment to action advances action. All right. The last question. So, um, uh, you know this at the Lama Lounge Raw about life, learning, and leadership. So, how do you find your harmony between life, learning, and leadership? You know, I know this is the deep question, and as mm-hmm. many times as I've listened to your podcast and listened to other people's thoughts, it's still hard. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I regularly find harmony, but I think mm-hmm. the harmony comes from um, that 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 purpose that that thing that keeps pushing me. So I would say between, 
you know, building, building good goals, uh, having, having them prioritized for what I want towards where I'm going and then sticking to that discipline to pursue them, just like this relentless effort to pursue mm-hmm. those goals. Uh, because when you look at all the things that you're trying to do in your life, all the different priorities, all the balls you're juggling, um, if you're using them to gain momentum and keep pursuing that goal towards how you've defined your success, uh, that's your harmony, right? Um, so I think that those are the things, you know, in all the different parts of my life on how I, I kind of work it out on why am I doing this one thing? How's it pushing me towards what my passion is and get helping me get after those goals. Um, and, and that helps me kind of stay centered. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, man. I think that we don't ask ourselves those questions enough, man. We're just doing stuff. You know, a lot of times we're kind of rolling through and, you know, just asking that simple but not easy question to answer. Like, why am I doing this? Is it even pushing me towards, is it, is it moving the needle at all on what's important to me? Right. I mean, like, and, and a lot of times we just don't take the time to reflect on that. I do that typically when I'm running or whatever else I might be doing where I'm just really reflecting on stuff in prayer. But um, yeah, I, th- I think um, that's a great one, man. That's a great one. And um, you answered it well, even though you, st- you might've felt like you were going to struggle with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, next time we have you on, we're going to have a whole new series of leadership rapid fire questions for you. So, cause um, I know we'll have you on again very soon. This time it won't take an entire year. You had mentioned that we talked about it in March, 2020. So that's like at the beginning when we first started the Llama Lounge podcast, that's like way back when we first were, you were even yeah. considering having it. So that's how long it took. So this time we definitely won't wait that long to get you back on. Yeah, man. And I got some more articles kind of teed up to start heading your way. You know, the ideas nice. are flowing and uh, I nice. actually set that up as one of my goals for myself for this year yeah. was to, to write one per quarter um, maybe not necessarily all towards the llama lounge. I, I think I do want to start testing the waters, uh, with some of these other ones that are a little bit, uh, some of them are tougher, you know, some of them are like mm-hmm. 5,000 words. Um, yeah. and you got to have sources and everything else crazy. So I was yeah. like, all right, let's see if I can uh, do it. Yeah. Oh, I know you can, man. That's going to be good stuff. And the Llama Lounge is good practice for you <laughs> while, while you're getting it out there. And um, hey, if you get an opportunity when everything starts opening up back out there, um, get out to that Ethiopian restaurant in K-Town. I know everybody will know what it is. That, that place is delicious. It's amazing. And, and the uh, portions are gigantic. <laughs> so you're, you're going to love it. So hopefully you get an opportunity to do that when everything starts opening back up out there. I'm writing that down right now so I don't forget. awesome brother well hey thank you for coming on man and like i said we'll have you back on again and um and love being connected to you and and i'm honored to call you a brother and um man to all our listeners as always be safe stay healthy llamas out thanks for tuning in to the llama lounge podcast be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.